This podcast represents my opinions and the opinions of my guests. This is not medical advice, and I'm not establishing a physician-patient relationship with any listener. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult with your healthcare professional for any medical questions that you may have. Welcome back, everyone. We're back again for another episode of the Not Your Doc podcast. We're here with Mr. Not Your Doc himself, Dr. Charles Tadros. How are you today? Hey, fine, Vanessa. Another gorgeous day outside. Nice to see you. Yeah, good to be here for sure. Things have been busy, but stuff's going good. And I'm very excited about this episode that we have today for sure. It's going to be a little bit different than what we set people up with so far, correct? I'm, I'm glad that you're here. You're, 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 you're the one that softens all the hard, uh, hard hitting uh, topics I like to bring on board. So uh, you'll make it, you'll make it more uh, hum- human. That's what humane. we're getting people here is hard hitting journalism. All right. <laughs> so um, as we said in our pilot episode, uh, this podcast is about a lot more than just mental health diagnoses and their treatments, including ketamine, of course. We promise to present our listeners with conversations about a wide range of topics that affect people's overall health and quality of life, including, you know, work, money, relationships, family dynamics. So today we're taking our first step outside of the psychiatric topics that we presented so far. So we've talked about anxiety and depression um, and some other medical things as well. And um, we're going to discuss another issue brought to us by Dr. Tadros, and that topic is intimate partner violence and the dynamics of power and control. And um, obviously, while domestic violence and abuses of power can occur between couples of any variety, right, including same-sex partners, parents and children, bosses and employees, siblings, for example, um, for the sake of of limiting this and making it an hour-long episode and not a 10-hour marathon... Um, we're going to put a narrow focus on today's discussion to examine the dynamics of power and control as they can manifest in heterosexual par- partnerships. So where the male is the one seeking power and control over a female partner. That's right. So before we get into it, Dr. Tadros, I know, <laughs> and bear with us, everybody. I know this seems a little bit heavy and overwhelming. I promise this is going to be a really good and edifying conversation if you just stick it out with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into it, into it, um, you've told us before that the topics you write about in your blog and the things you hope to bring forward on this pod are based on, many of them are based on your observations from decades of experience treating and talking to patients um, in your primary care practice. Mm-hmm. So very broadly, can you talk about the things um, that you've seen and experienced that make you, that have kind of inspired you to bring this topic up? Do you think it's a... Um, you know, a prevalent problem in, you know, the relationship dynamics of the people that you've treated over the years. Yeah. Uh, thank you for, for being here to moderate. Absolutely. I started practice 30 years ago, roughly. And um, early in my practice, I recognized um, many of the men I was uh, seeing as part of my general internal medicine practice had all sorts of issues. There were mental health issues. It's mm-hmm. not that this mm-hmm. is not mental health issues, but right, sure. a lot of it, it revolved eventually by the time they saw me around distress regarding their relationships, oftentimes marriage, 
um, sometimes just girlfriends. Um, but a lot of it was uh, in terms of anger issues from the from coming, especially from the man, and mm-hmm. oftentimes physical violence. <clears throat> and sometimes these men got in enough trouble that police were called and they were court mandated to seek help. Um, they were coming to me because of depression. They were coming to me because of anger issues, substance abuse is- issues, etc. And what I obviously found out pretty quickly is that they themselves uh, had been probably abused as youngsters. Mm, yeah. And they grew up to be abusers. Um, and there's a there's an enormous amount of shame. There's, uh, certainly men don't talk about it, not to other men, and oftentimes not even to their therapists. Mm. But uh, there's an enormous amount of shame, a lot of guilt. And of course, there's uh, there, there are family repercussions, uh, and uh, there's uh, financial there are financial repercussions. Um, and when people just come to see me to help them sleep or help their anxiety or help their depression, mm-hmm. and I find out that they're having all sorts of troubles, work trouble, financial trouble, but also it's, it's trickling into their relationships in terms of uh, physical violence, and uh, uh, then then I just can't just throw Prozac or Ambien at them. Right. I have to delve a little more deeply. And a lot of times, of course, I don't have the time uh, uh, or mm-hmm. the experience and we needed the help of others. And so probably 25, 28 years ago, I found, um, uh, uh, back then it was in Maplewood, uh, 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 a place that was run by volunteers for people, for men who were uh, physically, emotionally uh, violent towards their partners. Some of them were there because of court mandated, but a lot of them there voluntarily. A lot of them there were sent by their, their medical professionals. And I sat in on a few sessions to see what was happening. Mm-hmm. And that's really... Um, um, caught my attention that that these men needed a lot more help than just a simple internist and what I could do. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's amazing. Um, did you did you sit, ever sit in on a session there at mm-hmm. that organization? What oh, yeah. was that like for you? Oh, yeah. No, it was uh, it was in a, a upstairs uh, room and it was uh, run by uh, Essentially, former graduates. I don't know if somebody, anybody graduates, but former graduates. They were not mental health professionals, um, and uh, but people who uh, were trained in the uh, kind of the Duluth uh, power and control wheel uh, mm-hmm. philosophy of of, of uh, power and control, and we could talk about what power and control versus violence means. Um, and that's and that was a technique that we used. Uh, we kind of it revolved around power and control, helping uh, men understand what they what they were trying, to, what they were seeking, how they were seeking it, how destructive it was whenever mm-hmm. they had to they they, they end up using violence uh, and and control, and um, how they minimized what they did and what what mm-hmm. they said, um, and how it affected other people. Right. And um, it some of the most basic. These were men I sat. I remember I sat next to a truck driver. A minister, uh, a physician, yeah, a dog wow. trainer, and uh, so from so all not every, Yeah, so not everybody sitting there looked like, oh, that's an obvious wife beater right no, there. No, absolutely yeah. not. A lot of them were professionals. A lot wow. of them were, were uh, everybody was working, nobody was homeless, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was very eye opening, and I think it continues to be eye opening. That's pretty incredible. Okay, so um, let's start with some really basic definitions and a little bit of framework for today's discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of this is for my own benefit, so I can sort of set up some mental scaffolding sure. on uh, how I'm going to understand this conversation and hopefully get us through it. But um, so first of all, let's establish the type of relationship we're talking about today, and that's an intimate relationship and partnership between an adult man and an adult woman, that's right? right. 
So um, typically the goal of these partnerships between men and women is for both people to share resources in order to get those their needs met, right? So <clears throat> physical, safety, emotional, sexual needs. Um, and the way I'm thinking about it too is like if you can picture Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, the triangle pyramid with those, you know, physiological needs on the bottom, moving up to love and acceptance and self-actualization, like from an evolutionary perspective, humans that live and work together as partners are more likely to be able to meet those basic needs and then ascend the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, have children or longer lives or anything like that. So um, partners, especially today, typically share homes, money, food, hobbies, families, stresses, um, perhaps children or pets. Mm-hmm. Um, and the management of all of those things together can sometimes cause conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where the dynamics of power and control can come into play, especially when both partners bring with them, you know, patterns of behavior and expectations about re- how relationships should work that they have internalized as kids, mm-hmm. um, either from observing the way their parents operated in a relationship or didn't operate in a relationship right. um, or just, you know, other relationship behavior modeled for them. Um, and so am I on the right track with this, That's Dr. Right. Tadros? Would That's you right. say I'm on the right track? Okay. That's right. So would you agree with me that like we would consider a healthy relationship, something that is consent-based, mutually fulfilling, and that there is a, a sharing of power and control when one party doesn't try to dominate over the other. Is that what we would call healthy or balanced? So, yes. So certainly the way you're describing is an ideal way and a, certainly in a Western ideal uh, idealized way sure. that, that where uh, both parties are, are have a healthy relationship an, an uncoerced non-coerced mm-hmm. uh, 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 relationship that uh, that enlarges and allows each person to grow right. and enlarges a relationship by enlarging each individual uh, uh, person to grow even uh, separately from the relationship uh, but is but they still people still come together the couple still comes together uh, at the end of the day to uh, improve the relationship for for whatever their purposes are, whether yeah. it's marriage or whether it's kids or whatever they wish to, wish for it to be, it, sh- it needs to be consensual, right, um, and supportive. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so then I guess what we could say then is that like the the conflicts that can lead to you know intimate partner violence or abuse stem from uh, when there's an imbalance of power and a desire for control, right? Like mm-hmm. if one person decides that they're going to use their power in order to wrest control from the other person. So in this case, the the man desiring to control the woman. That's right. It, and certainly, like you said before, we're going to focus on on, on male-sponsored uh, power and control. Mm-hmm. It certainly happens a bunch of different ways right. with different couples. But in this, we're not just trying to hammer away at the guys here, but but for, for we'll talk about specific for the men. Traditionally, in many societies, and certainly in, in, in our Western society, Men, on average, are, are bigger physically, mm-hmm. uh, and on average, are the ones that that initiate and perpetuate violence uh, uh, t- uh, towards their partner. It's not all the time. It's not every time. It's not all males, uh, but that's what we're going to focus on. This narrow piece, which is extremely, extremely important, and it affects so many people right. uh, around them. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So now, now that we've kind of like laid the groundwork, and I, I've talked a lot, <laughs> and I want to hand this over to you completely, so mm-hmm. you can drive us through this. Sure. 
Um, will you introduce us to this visual aid that we'll, we'll be referring to throughout the discussion called the power and control wheel? Yeah. Um, for people listening, we will absolutely link this image in the podcast podcast description as well as have it displayed in the background. If you're listening to us on YouTube, you'll just be able to see it on the screen there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dr. Tadros, tell us about the power and control wheel. Yeah. So this is actually, this is, uh, this is, uh, Developed back and and released back in 1984 by the uh, the Domestic Abuse Intervention Project out of Duluth, Minnesota, um, and this is a visual and like you said, it's going to it's literally a, a power and control wheel. It's literally, it literally looks like a a, a wheel or a, or a tire or, mm-hmm. or like a spokes uh, like yeah, to a spokes it looks like a, a, a bike tire, a bike tire, yeah. or or, or a, a round pizza with slices. Sure. Yeah. And so there's a rim to the to the pizza pie, and there's uh, the words violence and physical and sexual violence on the on the on the on the crust on the on the edge, mm-hmm. and then each of the the triangular wedges we have eight of them, and and they all point towards the metal where the, there's a circle that's called power and control. So one way that this is interpreted is that women on the receiving end of violence, uh, physical violence or sexual violence. Um, are, are now have a heightened hypervigilance uh, to the point that the, anything that happens afterwards that the man perpetuates afterwards, even if it's not further physical or sexual violence, leads to him holding power and control over the woman. Mm. So that's one way, and I'll come back and talk about yeah, that. Yeah, please do. The other way of talking about it is the man wants power and control, whether he realizes it consciously or unconsciously, and then he uses certain techniques, these these eight wedges, to mm. get all, and if he doesn't get his way, then he it leads him to 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 uh, to distribute physical and sexual violence on his partner. So either way, it works both ways. Uh, whether you start off with physical sexual violence, sensitizing the woman to, to knowing that she's in, in danger mm, and mm. making her hyper vigilant, mm-hmm. and then controlling her uh, to, and then trying to control her from there versus because uh, she's constantly trying to prevent being re-traumatized. That's right. So you have de facto control. Okay, and gotcha. I, and, and I think that's uh, when when people are are, are uh, terrorized. Um, mm. uh, we talk about terrorism in other ways, but you don't have to repeat the ter- the, the terrorist act in order to, to, to frighten and control people. Right. It only has to happen once. And right. sometimes it's years before. It's not, doesn't have to happen weekly or monthly. Sometimes it's years before. And, uh, and that's the, in order to protect herself, uh, she, she has learned how to, uh, to, to walk on eggshells. And that's right. commonly talked about, I, mm. you know, walking on eggshells, using all her energy to be hypervigilant, to be always watchful mm. so that she doesn't trigger another violent act. Provoke from, from, the reaction. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, once again, uh, a round pie or round pizza, uh, physical and sexual violence on the rim, and then uh, the the wedges. And this is the techniques that he uses, knowingly or unknowingly, mm. to, to 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 try to gain and to keep power and control over the one. Uh, the first one is intimidation, uh, making her afraid by using looks, actions, gestures, smashing things, destroying her property, abusing pets. That's a big one, mm. kicking pets and hurting mm. pets yeah. and displaying weapons. So intimidation. He doesn't have to touch her, doesn't have to, but it's around her. Right. Uh, the looks, the actions, the smashing of things, the hurting the pets, displaying weapons. So sort of makes her feel like the violence is just around the corner. Right, like, right. Take it's one, pending. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Next one is emotional abuse, uh, such as putting her down, making her feel bad about herself, calling her names, making her think she's crazy. That's the gaslighting. Mm, yeah, that's gaslighting. Playing mind games. 
humiliating her, making her feel guilty. Mm. That's emotional abuse. Another way to to get to get and maintain power control over right. women. The next uh, way, technique is isolation. This is controlling what she does, who she sees and talks to, what she reads, where she goes, limiting her outside involvement, using jealousy to justify his actions. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's like, who are you talking to? Why, right. why, why are you talking to your mom so many times a day? Yeah. That type of stuff. Controlling her phone, That's right. demanding her, her passwords, her passcodes, trying to mm-hmm. read every single text message. That's yeah. right. So, so far we've talked about- No intim- privacy. Yeah. That's right. Bingo. Uh, so, so far we've talked about intimidation, emotional abuse, isolation. Mm-hmm. The, the fourth way uh, uh, is minimizing and denying and blaming. This is making light of the abuse and not taking her concerns about it seriously, uh, saying the abuse doesn't happen or didn't happen, mm. shifting the responsibility for the abusive behavior, like, you know, you didn't have dinner on time. This, right. is, why, this is why I hit you. Saying that she caused it. Right. So blaming her, uh, but also minimizing. I didn't mm-hmm. hurt. You know, right. I didn't hit I you didn't that hit, hard. I yeah. didn't hit you that hard. You know, I, I'll show you what it really. I took. just pushed you. Right. You fell down. Right. Yeah. And the next thing is using children. Uh, so making her feel guilty about the children, using the children to relay messages. They, they become go-betweens. Mm. Uh, uh, using visitation to harass her, uh, threatening to take away the uh, take away the kids. Uh, so that's another technique to keep her under his thumb. Yeah. Uh, so intimidation, emotional abuse, isolation, minimizing, denying, and blaming, and then using the children. The uh, next three are economic abuse, male privilege, and coercion and threats. So we'll talk about economic abuse, preventing her from getting or keeping a job, making her ask for money, mm. giving her an allowance, making uh, uh, taking her money, not letting her know uh, about or having access to family income. Mm. Uh, next one is male privilege, threatening her like uh, treating her like a servant, making uh, all the big decisions, acting like uh, he's the master of the castle, being the one to define men's and women's roles. And the final one, coercion and threats, making or carrying out threats to do something to her, threatening to leave her, uh, uh, threatening to commit suicide, uh, uh, threatening to report her to welfare, mm. making her drop charges, making her do illegal things. Wow. So some of these sound, uh, and, and, and most men don't really believe that they do this. They don't see themselves as abusers. Sure. And this is extremely important. Um, nobody wakes up in the morning thinking they're going. They're out to get their wife. Uh, no, no, no woman gets up in the morning and thinks her boyfriend or husband uh, is is out to. Is, 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 she's staying with a guy that's that's controlling her and abusing her. Mm. But unfortunately, this is kind of what happens uh, in select situations, and it continues. And even after sometimes the police are called or sometimes he goes gets emotional help um, or takes medicines to help with their depression or their anger issues, and we could come talk about that, what, what it means, um, it, it still continues in a, mm. lot, in a variety of ways. And I'll come back to that. So uh, once again, physical and sexual violence can start uh, this power and control structure or it could be power and control wants to be achieved and then therefore they go eventually to physical and sexual violence. So if they can't use intimidation and emotional abuse, isolation, minimizing and denying 
or using children or using economic abuse or using male privilege or coercion and threats, then they can they can escalate to physical and sexual mm-hmm. violence. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. uh, and unfortunately, <clears throat> we see this too often. Sometimes it's very subtle. It's not very overt. It's not. It's not. Um, it's not. Um, uh, it's not every day. And certainly, whenever people have blowups, and then there's a lull, a quiet period. Right. And uh, when people kind of get after people leave, go to their parents' house, go mm-hmm. call the cops, and things are quiet, and people <clears throat> are. are uh, are uh, apologize sometimes or out of fear, uh, you know, go back into the situation. Right. And it's a quiet time, and people don't want to get help during the quiet time because why stir up crap? Sure, yeah. You know, things are quiet for a little bit. Unfortunately, the cycle of violence repeats. Mm-hmm. I think I want to I I want to check my understanding on on the way this flows. So you kind of you talked about. Two ways this happens. So we talk about, you know, the outside, the crust of the pizza here with the mm-hmm. physical and sexual violence. Sometimes the the action moves from the outside of the pizza to the inside. Right. So physical or sexual violence occurs, um, which causes, uh, you know, the woman to live in constant fear of power, of the power and control of, of the spouse mm-hmm. or the male partner. Um, and then sometimes the male partner from the inside out, the male partner's desire mm-hmm. for power and control is so overwhelming to him that he starts using some of these tactics, mm-hmm. intimidation, economic abuse, using the children in order to establish power and control over the woman. And then if those things don't work for him, he escalates to the physical act of violence or sexual violence. That's correct. Right? Okay. Yeah, so that's kind right. of. It can flow both ways. Yes. That makes sense. That's what I found in my in my practice. A lot of times, it starts obviously. They 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 hit. They 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 they've been drinking, and and he has been drinking. Or both have been drinking, and he and he hits her, and then it it goes from there. Now mm. she's afraid, and right. now and now he's like, well, you know, it wasn't so bad, and then he starts automatically using some of these techniques mm-hmm. to keep her under his thumb, yeah. so she doesn't complain. She doesn't go to her mom or dad. Doesn't go to the police. Doesn't ask for a divorce. All that stuff. Do yeah. you think? there's kind of some like a little bit of like a sinister reinforcement that happens here when a man realizes that like oh this this tactic is successful to get what i want that's right what i'm going to come back and talk about how men get to this point where they even know how to use these things Mm -hmm. um it's not automatic it's not uh, but the quick answer is yes Uh, so uh once um once you can squash somebody um and they shut up um it automatically reinforces that you can do it again. Yeah, absolutely. It worked. Mm-hmm. All right, tell us more. So a lot of these men, and I once again, and I know a lot of, especially in today's society, we're blaming men for a lot of things. But this is mm. this is well before you know the, today, uh, the more more recent socioeconomic or uh, issues that we've had for sure. the last few years. But a lot of these men themselves have been abused, usually as children, uh, sometimes physical, sexual, emotionally abused themselves. Uh, this is not an excuse, but an explanation. This is not an excuse. So we want men to stop immediately uh, anything that they're de- uh, any of this, the abuse and the and the trauma that they're delivering to the woman. Uh, but also they need help themselves. And mm. oftentimes it's not just immediately for since they've been abusing the woman, but for their own sexual traumas, their own physical and emotional traumas mm. from their youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be parents. It could be it could be relatives. It could be coaches. It could be bullying. All sorts of stuff. Uh, but they have they need the, they need their own help. Uh, in addition to stopping what they're doing now, that's harming uh, the the physically, emotionally, sexually harming their their partner. Mm-hmm. How does um, how does childhood trauma, so something bad happening to the young man, 
How does that then manifest in some of these externalizing behaviors mm-hmm. where they start to treat another person badly? Well, c- certainly, and you alluded to this earlier, people learn things. They don't have to go to class to learn things. They don't have to sit down and read a book to learn things. They learn things by watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and literally, it happens you know, from, from, from infancy. Uh, they watch how their parents behave towards each other or towards other adults or towards other children. And um, they develop their own fear, their own their own intimidation, their own uh, feeling intimidated. And uh, one of the ways to have to, to get rid of fear, intimidation, you can cower, you could run away, mm. uh, you can complain, you can go to authority. Right. But another way is to to stand up and be a to to, to be angry and a bully, right. bully yourself. Yeah. And that's the other way of doing it. And some people cower and run away, and they some people go for, ask for help and other techniques. But a lot of people, a lot of young men, and we talk about teenagers and dating, um, a lot of young men automatically uh, learn that, uh, that, that they can control uh, the, their partner uh, in select ways. Mm, yeah. Okay. Keep going. Um, a, a, this is for men and women, but in this case, we'll talk about men. There's something called the ACEs uh, quiz, the, the, uh, the um, Adverse Childhood Experiences uh, Study. And it's a quiz. It's online. And it talks about childhood trauma and experience, uh, traumatic experiences, uh, everything from deaths in your childhood to, to being uh, abandoned emotionally or mm-hmm. physically abandoned, et cetera. And you could rack up a score and you could calculate a score and see how, uh, how, how, uh, how much trauma you endured in childhood. Mm-hmm. Once again, it's an explanation. It's not an excuse to, to, to traumatize somebody sure. else. Yeah. But it's an explanation of what you may be going through or have gone through. Um, and you didn't realize it. You just thought it was just normal that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that your parents had a terrible, terrible long divorce and, and they, that they separated and that the dad didn't pay child support and your mom had to work three jobs and right. she was never available to you. you know, because that's how, that's how you existed. That's how you got here. That's how you survived. Um, uh, so <clears throat> part of it is, to, is, uh, is that when we're young <clears throat> at any time in our life, but certainly whenever you're, we're young, we have neuroplasticity. Our brains are making connections, memories, among other things. And some of these memories become imprinted in, 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 in uh, pathways, and it becomes uh, uh, automatic. So when you see it enough times, it becomes automatic. Um, and then you start behaving, you start, you start reinforcing and behaving that way without thinking so much, without anybody slowing you down saying, hey, you realize you can talk. Hey, you realize that your anger mm-hmm. is out of proportion to the situation. Right. Hey, you could ask for help. <clears throat> so what happens is that when, when these adults now come to us later in life, part of what I do besides talking about their substance abuse and, 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 and their trauma is sometimes I have to give a medication to help what I call lengthen their fuse of anger. They're short, yeah. You hear people having a short fuse. Right. So some people, whether there's depression or bipolar disease or other things, we can help, quote, unquote, lengthen their fuse uh, uh, so that they, uh, they can see themselves, the anger swelling. People right. think that they, quote, unquote, snap. And it's not true that they snap. They have they have signs and symptoms mm-hmm. well before the, the, the blow up or the, uh, or, or the violence. Uh, so, but they just don't recognize their signs and symptoms. Uh, and we can, through talk therapy, through trauma recovery techniques, and through sometimes medications, we can help them, number one, see what's happened to them, help them understand what the response is now towards their spouse or partner that is, reflects what happened to them also. Yeah. And that, that we can help them lengthen their fuse so that they can understand their anger and, uh, and, uh, and either step away from the situation, right. or go get help, uh, 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 um, uh, ask for somebody to intervene before it uh, pr- pr- progresses uh, to to harm. 
That's great. I mean, I hear, hearing you say all that, um, you know, just makes me think of the benefits and their benefits of therapy in general about, um, you know, establishing a practice of self-reflection yes. and really building a, a muscle and a tolerance for being able to um, not only examine your behavior, but also examine your intentions and mm -hmm. expectations mm -hmm. um, and gaining some curiosity about why, why did I expect my wife to always have dinner on the table at this certain time or always uh, let me make the major decisions about finances or something. What what does that stem from? That's Not correct. instead of just, you know, assuming that, well, she made me mad because she did this thing that made me mad. That's right. But having some of that curiosity and intellectual honesty to really question yourself and reflect on um, what some of these things might be causing. So, I mean, that's kind of a... An, an underlying deficiency, right? Not being able to be self-reflective. What I'll, you'll hear me say through a lot of these podcasts, um, a lot of people are, I, I'm, I'm just my, my nature and what I've watched people over decades, most people want to do well. They don't wake up in the morning to right. crap on somebody else's life or to ruin their own life. But unfortunately, by the end of the day, they've crapped on other people's lives or they've mm. ruined their own lives in some fashion. So people, like you said, have to have help to slow down their day, to slow down and think about what they're doing and why they're, why they're doing it. Right. And it doesn't make sense. Is that what they really want? Do they, is that the goal? Is that the response that they really mm -hmm. want? Or if it is, did it come to too great of a cost? Right. You can Absolutely. control somebody, but it comes at a cost, a severe cost to physical health, emotional, financial health, uh, uh, legal, legal uh, issues. Uh, so you can, you can get things your way, but it, but the vast majority of people would argue that that's not what they really want in life. They want their wife to respect them and be happy and mm -hmm. blah 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 mm -hmm. because they you know. And the answer is unfortunately that's not what happens. Sure, I think um, you know I think obviously taking a you know a hard look at the environments in which we grew up is yes. you know a tremendous indicator of why some of those expectations exist. Right. I mean I that's experienced right. this going into my own marriage, realizing mm -hmm. that. I, I had some of these expectations of my husband to do things the way that my dad did them. That's right. And I thought just like those expectations were just fundamentally true and good because they were the ones that I was exposed to growing up. Mm -hmm. um, but they weren't necessarily my husband's expectations for, ha for how to behave. And, That's right. Um, so talk, talk more about that, how, you know, um, what you see as a child, what's modeled by your parents or other important adults in your life, how that can create, um, you know, kind of normify, if you will. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a word or mm -hmm. not. Yeah, um, right. Any all different kinds of behaviors that can even even abusive behaviors. That's right. You know, it's the normalization. I think is the yeah. word. The, Normalize. The there we go. Not normify. <laughs> that's right. The normal. That's okay. I knew what you meant. The normalization of tension in the household or anger and frustration or quiet, 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 blow up. Yeah. Um, and a lot of men, a lot of their dads were like this. They're quiet, 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 and they blew yes. up. Yes, yeah. Uh, or substance use where, where they would 
whether there was drinking or, or, or it's typically alcohol. By far, it's alcohol. And alcohol and domestic violence almost go hand in hand. Yeah. Practically all of, all, all of male towards women, uh, either it's not necessarily at the moment, but oftentimes they have uh, alcohol-related issues, uh, alcohol or substance abuse issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these are all linked um, and once again, it's, it's my purpose is to give reasons, not uh, excuses. Um, so when, you, when, when somebody grows up in a household where drinking is, is, is common or frequently or mm-hmm. is accepted and, and, and fights happen whenever people are drinking and mm. people have to go into the room in order to avoid the anger <clears throat> and the violence. And so they kind yeah. of cower and hide and walk on eggshells mm-hmm. and, to, and try to please. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we end up with these... Uh, children that eventually grow up to be adults who can't express themselves, right. have their own anger issues, and they don't know how to talk about. It. They don't know how to ask for help. Mm. They use substances to substances to kind of suppress their own their their anger feelings or depression mm-hmm. or anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it it feeds into it, and you, in order to to break the cycles, break the cycle of violence is what right. we call it. The person who breaks the cycle of violence uh, is is. Um, uh, is I, I see it as as a chain reaction. If you're in a, you're sitting uh, with a bunch of in a car in a long line of cars on an interstate, and somebody reruns the a couple of people behind you, that purpose, person reruns and that person reruns yeah, and then eventually yeah. gets to you. So that's a, it's a chain reaction down to you. But in order for you not to hit the car in front of you. You have to have a lot of, you have to have space and you have to have your brakes on. It's a huge correction. It's a huge correction in order to prevent transmitting the violence, transmitting the accident to the person in front of you. So you're the one that takes the last hit. Um, And for me... That takes a lot of bravery. Yeah, I was just going to say It takes a lot that. of support. Yeah. Um, and um, and uh, sometimes you, you, you can't save the marriage. You can't save the relationship. Mm. But you still have to be better for yourself, yeah. not only for yourself, but for your children, if you have children, for your future partner, if you can't save this present relationship or your, uh, uh, present, uh, your present marriage, for instance. Sure. I, yeah, I just, I think it takes, it. it's an act of tremendous bravery to admit that, your patterns of behavior might be problematic, the way you use drugs or alcohol might be problematic, the way you treat your spouse or your children might be problematic. That's right. Um, And then to learn some different ways of coping with those intense Mm -hmm. emotions that drives that negative behavior, like that is incredibly brave and intensely manly, honestly, to to own up to something like that and change. Our society certainly does not reward people openly for this yeah. but but in in certain circles um, uh, men who support men who uh, are trying to make these types of significant changes in their lives um, and so oftentimes in the family uh, the immediate family or the immediate relationship if they're still available mm-hmm. they're very appreciative they're still waiting for the other shoe to fall they're still waiting for the yeah. person to backslide yeah. to go back to drinking to go yeah. back to violence go back to controlling but I think um, people appreciate you not being perfect. They appreciate your trying. Trying, absolutely. Yeah, big yeah. difference. For sure. Um, you know, just going going back to this power and control wheel, I think it's interesting how there's the behaviors that are described in here kind of fall along a spectrum from like very aggressive behaviors to very passive right. exercises of of control that's right and i think that it's important um especially for anyone who might be listening to this and thinking to themselves i'm like i'm not an abuser like i this none of this describes me this does not apply to me in any way that's right 
um, that, you know, some of these more subtle behaviors can can really cause a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at a, cu- a couple here, especially the, um, the emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, uh, putting her down, um, calling her names, maybe you're not calling her names, but making making her think she's crazy. Mm-hmm. If your you know, wife or, or female partner comes to you and says, like, I'm really concerned about this. This is something that's, that's right. upsetting me. And if you minimize it, deny it, downplay it, blame it on something else, that can create a tremendous amount of harm. That's right. And it's an exercise of power and control over over that woman to behave that way. Yes. I think, um, you know, another one as well where that's the same dynamic is sort of the kind of man of the house, master of the castle kind Mm -hmm. of kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, we can see that play out with men feeling husbands, especially feeling like they can have sex whenever they want it. That's right. Um, that the wife needs to be available to them at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, also just that the the master of the castle has to be the one to define what the man's role is and what the woman's role is. That's right. Um, which all of that is an exercise in in power and control. Well, and and, they, and and men will use that. That's where my parents, my parents were married for X amount of years and that's, mm-hmm. it worked for them. That's where, you know, you need to do it. Religion, people of certain faiths and, and, and certain cultures, mm-hmm. uh, they will use that. That was the way it's written down and this is the way that, that this is the way it is. Uh, it's not from me. It's from 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 uh, from some somebody who knows more, or has a higher power, has a higher power than I am. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we have to we have to be sensitive to people's context uh, yeah, and, and and their and their culture and their and their faith. But by the same token, there's no woman that needs to be in a relationship where she's controlled or abused. There's nothing no, coerced uh, yeah. uh, for for uh, uh, for. No matter what what the quote unquote reason is, right? Absolutely, I, I think that's actually a really great thing to point out. I think um, you know, even in Christianity, there's there's this idea of complementarianism, right? That mm-hmm. the man right. has a certain role, and that the woman exists to be a helper to the man, and that they have different roles and responsibilities. That can, I think, that dynamic can still exist and play out without right. being abusive. Um, and that's important. And I'm glad you said that. People can argue without being controlling and abusive. Right. Now, the problem is, is if they've had a history of, if somebody's had a history of being controlled and abused, any argument from then on could be triggering. Mm. So this is the problem with when some men say, but I went through therapy and I blah, blah, blah. And this yeah. has been six months or a year since I've yelled or threatened, et cetera. Why don't you blah, blah, blah. And it's because the person on the receiving end now has uh, has has been traumatized right. enough that a lot of stuff triggers her. And it may trigger her for the rest of her life, yes. by the way. It may not just be you, anybody that puts her in that same situation that triggers these thoughts and feelings, these situations yeah. uh, are enough. And so uh, that's to, to be able to give a person permission, your the, 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 the spouse or girlfriend permission to, to, to have to go through her process and through her therapy in order to, to be accepting that, that things have changed yeah. and that she could de-escalate her hypervigilance. Right. And, and that takes a long time and you right. can't, you can't force that on anybody and uh, you can't accelerate it by saying snap out of it. Right. I, right. I haven't, I haven't hit you in a year. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you brought that up because yeah. I think that that's really one of the, the consequences of, you know, some of these behaviors that really don't necessarily get appreciated. There's there's the immediate consequences yes. of the actions that really get a lot of the spotlight, right? Like right. if someone hits you, there's a physical injury that happens right, right. away. 
Um, if someone takes your money away, there's an immediate thing that you can't buy. That's correct. Um, but there are long-term effects mm -hmm. to being hit once, being controlled in a certain area for you know a period of time, being called a name once. Those things can reverberate through a person's psyche forever, just like childhood abuse That's right. can reverberate through your psyche and your personality the rest of your life. These harmful actions, harmful practices of power and control can reverberate like that in, in your spouse or female partner's life. And, um, you know, in addition to the bravery of admitting you have an issue and accepting help and working on changing some of those behaviors, mm -hmm. It also requires a tremendous amount of, of bravery to give your partner the grace and understanding mm -hmm. that they have to work through it at mm -hmm. their own time. They have to forgive you in their own time. They have to right. really, truly do their own therapy to deal with the trauma that you've caused them. That's right. You know, it's just it's it's the consequence of the behaviors. I, I, I tell guys that it's not a finish line where like. I went through therapy, mm. I stopped hitting you, I stopped threatening you, I stopped calling you names, I stopped controlling your, the checkbook and who you call. Now it's time for you to forgive and right, move on. Right, right. Um, and, and, uh, and it's hard for a guy who tends to be, let's pretend these men are oftentimes goal-oriented, like, okay, I mm -hmm. did it, I've done I've admitted right, it, I've, exactly. taken, I've taken the hit, check, I've taken the heat. Check off the list. Check yep. off the list, mm -hmm. let's move on. For her to keep bringing it back up because mm. that's how her brain and how her mm -hmm. body works. Mm -hmm. um, there's the book, the the body, the keeps body the keeps score. score. Yep. So even if she for quote unquote forgets, it's been years later. She still has the 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 the, 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 the neurologic the the. the the brain tracks right. that reminds her to be safe and to be careful yeah. because something is, the tension is piling up again, even yeah. years later. And I can imagine that's such a, that, that, that can come across to the man as, as malicious, B blaming, almost, bl as blaming, blaming again, right? Yeah. Blaming again. She's going right. to bring this up forever. forever. We are never going right. to get past us. She is never going to let me live this down. That's right. And when that thought can be reframed as, wow, this is really a trauma response, yes. right? It's, I, it's not that she's going to micromanage me and remind me of my faults for the rest of my life. It's right. that there's a trauma response happening here. People, I, and this is for, for and, and once again, it's not to blame, it's to explain. And this is the same thing with parents towards their children, mm. and especially parents towards the uh, children that, that end up being abused or neglected, is we, we see the effects decades, probably lifelong later, uh, of, of a variety of different ways. Some people are adult uh, adult children of alcoholics oftentimes are wonderful people yeah. but they tend to over they're, they're pleasers and they overwork themselves to death and 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 to the point where they have to have therapy because they can't uh, keep up the high standards yeah. uh, that they've set for themselves unconsciously sometimes mm -hmm. um, so we see these effects decades like even quote unquote positive things that are socially acceptable like being obsessive about something positive yeah. uh, that we have to we have these people uh, that is part of a trauma sometimes, yeah. not just the negative stuff, but uh, some of the stuff that's socially acceptable that people are obsessive about you know, making money and stuff right. like that. So Some of those positive character traits right. that we, or things even that we like about ourselves right. or pride ourselves on can actually be developed out of trauma. It's, that's right. For wanting to be perfectionist so that yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't stir up trouble yeah. uh, and get more pain when it, from your youth. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Such good stuff. Right. I think we should talk now about teens mm -hmm. and how um, this these same power and control dynamics can manifest in relationships between teens and can just like pop up even for young men that have never That's right. 
had any experience with the you know frustration of a marriage or anything like that. So when teens start dating, and this is something that I would kind of grab my attention early on in my practice, we'll have uh, we'll have young women uh, who are in a terribly abusive relationship whenever they're fourteen or fifteen, and I'm sure teenagers or some people are preteen they sometimes start dating, but mm. the ones I see because I was an internist, I didn't see that uh, much younger than fourteen or fifteen, but they're already in abusive relationships. Mm. The, the 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 boy will hit maybe not drinking maybe stuff like that, but mm. they will hit and threaten. Um, and force sex uh, mm-hmm. or, or, or coerce sex, and uh, this is the you know this is the first or second time that they've uh, person that they've been dating, and so very early on, not just tw- in your twenties and thirties or forties, this is very early on um, uh, that we run into this. Uh, so we actually have to talk about this for for youngsters before yeah. before high school potentially, maybe not at the level we're talking here, but at a level that they can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes, once again, it's because of of of, of their uh, their family of origin or the household that they grew up in mm-hmm. and some of the, the what was modeled for them when when adults didn't realize that they were modeling this type of behavior for the children who were and sometimes they don't see it but they can hear it through the walls yep you know so uh so this is um so but this is it's already difficult whenever you have to deal with as a as a, as a dad of daughters myself or or as a as a physician that we already have <clears throat> traumatized Young girls yeah. were the first or second t- person that they started da- they'd been dating yeah. be already in this uh, power and control uh, uh, situation. Yeah, I think part of the you know the the skills or whatever that we need to develop in young people so that they don't you know maybe if they did grow up in a, a you know an environment where they were modeled um, you know abusive or controlling really behaviors or whatever, but maybe they were were modeled great behaviors from mm-hmm. we still have to teach young people emotional regulation yes and if you're unable to regulate your emotions you're going to lash out in response or do do something that's a, a disproportionate response to whatever it is that's bothering you yes um and i think that that's probably something that we you know we see with young men who act out physically against their girlfriends they don't know how to deal with absolutely this, these emotions that are bubbling up in them that they feel like she's shaming them or being disrespectful or challenging their manhood yes and some of those are like very visceral things when someone pushes a button like that so That's we correct. need to you know be able to teach young men how to identify that emotion right. and then build in the steps to give that distance, right. you know, from what they want to react with to mm-hmm. what they actually do react with. You, you know, I, part of masculinity, and I know the word masculinity means a lot of different things to people, but mm-hmm. for me, masculinity is the strength to have emotional regulation. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you for using the word emotional control, emotional regulation. Not just to stuff it and to be angry and and and, and stew and brew inside, yeah. but to be able to be able to recognize it and to ask for help or ask for space or or or, or, or to apologize and step away and 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 uh, understand that it's not just that this means that something's happened to you mm-hmm. and that you don't want to deliver to 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 the person that you're around, you're dating, etc. Yeah. I think now's a good opportunity to revisit what you kind of pointed out before, which is that, you know, there's kind of this societal target on men right now. Um, There's, you know, men are taking a lot of heat in general um, as, you know, the world, you know, starts to examine, you know, some of the real issues with male dominance and patriarchal structures. And I think that that can leave men feeling like they're being attacked for being themselves and that the 
that the world is saying that masculinity is a negative thing, a bad thing. Um, so I, you know, we just, we just said that, you know, there's good men understand themselves, right? Yes. They understand their feelings. They can communicate their needs in a way that doesn't cause harm or abuse to other people. Yes. Um, and they can manage their emotions. They have good coping skills to manage intense emotions. So can you talk about how understanding what we've talked about today, the dynamics of power and control and um, how how they can go wrong, um, how that helps men understand themselves better and then therefore be better versions of themselves, mm-hmm. for both for themselves and for the women that they love. You know, um, and I, I'm glad that we're going to put this up on our website uh, yeah. because it's important to the visual. We tried to describe it, but it's important to visualize uh, this and, uh, and we'll have some other resources. Mm-hmm. But... Sometimes it's a little bit late. Once you're angry once, twice, or you've hit somebody, and then you uh, then you realize this is not this is, should not be me. This is mm. not, or I don't want to, to to propagate what what's happened to me. You still have to apologize. You still have to get help. Right. But then you have to recognize it's not just a superficial. It's not just a one-time thing. Yeah. This is sometimes a an ingrained uh, belief system that you you are allowed to, or it's okay to, in certain situations, be controlling and abusive. Um, and so this is the challenge because then you're challenging sometimes society, what allows you, what uh, or yeah. what your family or what your culture has allowed you or reinforced or, uh, you know, you got in a little bit of trouble, but not all the way. The cops were called, but they then they said, take care of it yourself. You know, mm-hmm. nobody's nobody's that hurt. We're, yeah, yeah. we're not going to we're not going to write this up, right. et cetera. So sometimes you squeak by, but sometimes that's a red flag that you need a lot more help. And it's not just bad day or you're just drinking that day that is much more uh, ingrained in how you see the world how you see yourself your rights um, <clears throat> um, what you're entitled uh, to entitled yeah. to a lot of guys that I've run into just want things to be better and more controlled mm-hmm. so if they find things are chaotic or not controlled by their standards mm-hmm. by their vision they the the woman's talking too much. The woman's spending too much money. The woman is not where she said she was going to be. The, mm. the meal's not on the table. The kids are a mess. So if they see it from their standpoint that things are out of control, uh, then that's when they feel like they have to rein things in and they have to become physical or violent or intimidate, et cetera. Mm. They may not use those words. They don't, may not realize what they're doing, but that's exactly what's happening. So a lot of it goes down to <clears throat> why does it have to be that the dinner has to be on the table? Why does it have right, to be that the exactly. kids are perfect? Yeah. Why does it have to be that you know that the house is perfect? Examining so, those expectations with right. a critical eye. That's correct. And so I'm not saying that those some of those features are not some of those values are not great, mm-hmm. but to get to, to achieve them through violence, through anger and hate and intimidation, um, is not okay. Right. It comes at too great a cost, right? Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, some of this some of this behavior is illegal. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, yeah. And 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 uh, uh, so um, I, I I never want to use that as a stick, but I want the care because I want people to have long term relationships with each other, mm-hmm. with w- positive reinforcing. But certainly, the, the legal system is is uh, unfortunately a lot of mental health issues. Men and women are are set up as, in a legal way yeah. uh, rather than a more mental health and need help way. So, mm-hmm. but some people are is, is so far gone, so far so significant that the legal system has to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we we want to offer 
definitely a, a positive view and a positive message about masculinity Absolutely. here. We definitely don't want anyone to interpret this as, as you know, coming down on men hard. I, I hope this wasn't too triggering to anybody, but, um, you know, led to some good reflection and maybe some good discussions in partnerships. Um, we do have some resources here that we want to refer people to. Um, first of all, there is a St. Louis area resource directory. Um, there's a website called startherestl.org. That's kind of a directory for lots of different things in the St. Louis area. Mm -hmm. um, but their domestic violence page uh, specifically has a comprehensive list of resources for all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. Um, domestic violence hotlines, support groups, um, you know, bilingual services, all different kinds of stuff. We should mention that help for women who have children. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. And um, and uh, also women who um, uh, require financial support. Sure. Um, uh, so as, uh, also they and men can men can should be able to be able to get some assistance through this uh, through this uh, system Absolutely. here in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, any and definitely the. Um, the, that list on start here, uh, stl.org is going to have a couple of those like national De domestic violence hotline, like I shared, and other kind of national uh, resources where mm -hmm. that have great FAQ frequently asked questions sections mm -hmm. that you can refer to if you want to if you want to look for a quiz or you want to understand more um, about what domestic violence looks like, what abusive behavior looks like, and tell you know help that with your you know self examination. Like please avail yourself of those resources. Um, I certainly want to put a plug in for one resource that um, is also listed on that list, and that's Safe Connections. Yes. Um, Safe Connections is a great organization here in the St. Louis area. They do a lot of work. Um, with, they have crisis intervention for families. They have a 24-hour hotline. Um, they also have some great support groups and particularly a training program for teenagers um, to help to, you know, sort of head off at the past some of the things that we were talking about today. You know, they talk about gender roles. They talk about, um, you know, uh, like de-escalation and emotional regulation and dealing with conflict within yes. relationships. Um, so Safe Connections is an excellent resource as well. We, I, I encourage people to to take their ACEs, the Adverse Childhood Experience uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, questionnaire, and look at their score. I think it's eye-opening uh, for people uh, in uh, all walks of life uh, uh, to figure out some of the childhood uh, trauma that oftentimes shows up not only in potentially power and control issues and mm -hmm. violence issues, but also in depression and anxiety and, uh, and trauma, uh, PTSD. Uh, so that's the first thing. The next thing is also anybody with substance abuse issues mm -hmm. that should be taken uh, care of alongside, mm -hmm. uh, in addition to, uh, not just because just taking care of the, uh, the the power and control and violence issues does not automatically take care of the depression or uh, substance abuse right. issues. Or and substance. vice versa. Yeah, yep, mm -hmm. that's correct. Um, the uh, the uh, the next thing is that um, uh, people oftentimes become depressed and despondent and suicidal, mm -hmm. and we also we always want people to reach out for the the international number, our national number, excuse me, the nine eight eight. This is for uh, suicide prevention uh, hotline. Yep. Uh, so that's uh, we, we understand that some some things are so far gone that people only some, see one way out and Absolutely. suicide. Yeah. And uh, it there's always help if you can't see light at the end of the tunnel. Other people can for you, 
uh, loved ones and, and your physicians and nurse practitioners and physician's assistants and nurses and psychologists and, and et cetera. Uh, but also there's a 24 hours a day is the 988 number. Please let your physicians and your, and your other primary care mental health professionals know uh, what's happening in your life. Right. Um, uh, oftentimes, uh, you, you, by just listening to us today, sometimes you know more than they do, uh, but, uh, but uh, they are oftentimes the gateway to getting further help, either yeah. from them or somebody else that's local. Uh, so that's wonderful. Correct. Yeah, so I, once again, you know, just to end on a hopeful note, there is definitely help out there. If you see yourself in any of these behaviors here, and once again, you know, ad- admitting that you have any kind of issue or problem um, is a tremendous act of bravery, right? Um, That's right. That you know, identifying, being being presented with new information and realizing that 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 it might apply to you. Yes. Um, and then doing something about it and taking accountability for those actions. That's right. Tremendously brave. It's not only for you, it's also for your children. If you have involved with children, they they learn from not just the difficulties that you have, but also some of your grit and stick to itiveness. And how you work through it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. So you're not only doing it for yourself, you're doing it for your partner, you're doing it for your kids. You're, you're stopping the cycle of violence. And if something like this has ever happened to you in your youth, uh, uh, then mm. finally you can t- tell your story yeah. and get help yourself. Yes. Absolutely. By the way, uh, we talk about this. Um, uh, one of the most difficult calls a police officer gets is domestic violence. Yeah, in fact, absolutely. that's it's one of the highest risk of a police officer becoming assaulted himself or uh, stabbed or shot mm. uh, is domestic violence. Yeah. Um, uh, so some of the scariest calls that police officers come in on uh, whenever um, <clears throat> they're dealing with, a, with, with, with family, uh, domestic violence issues. Um, so uh, police officers nowadays have much more education about mental illness and, mm. and, and, and domestic violence issues. Um, non-lethal methods to de- de-escalate uh, and et cetera. And I, and I applaud and I encourage um, um, I, all, all, uh, all uh, law enforcement uh, to, for this type of training. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I think we've given everybody a lot to chew on today. Yeah. But hopefully seeing hope. <laughs> That's right. There's light at the end of the tunnel. You can, we it can, can, change can be made. Absolutely. You, you and I were talking about the potential for change and people yeah. think that people are rigid from birth and it's not true. Yeah. Some, sm- some small part of you is going to be the same mm-hmm. between six and, uh, and 80, yeah. uh, age six and 80, but there is change and the change starts with you Absolutely. and uh, getting help. You might be right-handed your entire life, but you don't have to be emotionally abusive or That's correct. Neg- neglectful. Yep. All right. So thank you guys so much for sticking with us today. Um, I know that was a heavy one, but I feel like it was a really useful and needed discussion. Um, Please, once again, refer to the resources that we're going to have for you in the podcast description. Um, If you have any questions for the doc or ideas that you would like us to explore on the pod, please send us an email at the not or at not your doc pod at gmail.com again not your doc pod at gmail.com oh dr tadros we're gonna uh, we should do something lighthearted we should do something lighthearted next time no that was a good one i feel really good about that yeah i i I agree thank you for guiding us through this uh quagmire of uh information it was good stuff yeah we'll see you next time everybody thanks for hanging around
this previous podcast represents my opinions and the opinions of my guests. This is not medical advice, and I'm not establishing a physician-patient relationship with any listener. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each patient is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions that you may have.